2: It is the final day of New York Comic Con, day for numero cuatro. Now, the whole is just going to be in Spanish now, but no. Uh, a lot has happened. Right now, though, we are joined with Michael Kingston of the comic book Headlock. He's the writer of it. He's the man responsible for the very long lines that you see in the one part of New York Comic Con, and rightfully so. Michael, it is New York Comic Con. How exhausted are you?
3: I'm pretty beat. I mean, this is the toughest part of the year for me. Um, just coming out of the summer, and then we also have a book. We're, we're, we're getting the hard way to the printer this weekend, or actually next weekend. But you know, everybody's bringing. and getting art uh, thrown at me from different artists, and you know, getting everything formatted and pre-pressed. And I woke up on uh, on Thursday, I'd literally just falling asleep at the desk in my hotel with my head on the desk, and I had no recollection of you know. That Asia. happening, so it's uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely the most exhausting time of the year, from San Diego to New York.
2: Were you lost in Cleveland like Cactus Jack in the 1990s?
3: <laughs> no, no, I was too busy planting a bomb on the boat.
2: <laughs> in the White Castle of Fear. Like, five fans are going to get those references, and each of you, we appreciate you. <laughs> Now, obviously, we're a Marvel-based podcast, but we've had a lot of professional wrestling people involved, and there's always that big crossover appeal of Marvel Comics and pro wrestling. In the 1990s, we had the WCW comics where Sting didn't want that chocolate cake from the the little kid while the green skull man was there. (laughs) It'll always be synonymous together. Even, like... We've had pro wrestlers involved in Marvel movies. Mind you, not the current MCU, I believe. I don't think there's any... Batista? Oh, Big Dave. Wow, who can forget Big... Well, he was right there. He was just invisible. He was standing <laughs> very, very still. But just so many involvements of these things. What do you think is the biggest connection between Marvel and the comic book industry?
3: Um, you mean why they... I mean, Marvel and the pro wrestling industry. Why, why, wow. they, why they cross over so well? Yeah. I mean, I just think that... I mean, wrestling and comics are... To me, like, I mean, wrestlers are real-life superheroes. I mean, it's it's 3D characters, you know, larger than life, you know, battle battle of good versus evil, colorful costumes. I mean, it's all the same stuff, you know. We just don't shoot lightning bolts. Well, The Undertaker shoots lightning bolts, so.
2: It's a um, lot of weird stuff, man. He, he rose up in the sky and got, quote-unquote, resurrected. We have to we have to use it in quotes. He didn't really die, pal.
3: <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, The Undertaker. The Undertaker is one of those things that week to week it makes sense, but if you ever step back and look at the whole thing, I mean, technically he's still a murderer. I mean, or at least a manslaughter. I mean, he killed his it's parents. Man's laughter. Yes, I mean he he got the he killed his parents in that fire, and they never really redcon that out. So
2: the Undertaker and Kane Paul Bear like storyline is like, in my opinion, the X Men continuity of pro wrestling. Right. Like, I would love to just see Chris Claremont come along and just be like, you know what, I'm doing an Undertaker comic. We're gonna figure something out, and there's gonna be nothing but thought balloons and just you know exposition out the wazoo. But nonetheless, <laughs> you know.
3: But that's that's it's funny because that's what I did when I wrote the the WWE comics, trying to put holes in their, uh, put spackle in the holes in their storylines.
2: Yeah, and like the friend of the show, Land Pitts, he was like doing also like he was telling me some of the pitches he had for WWE comics, and like there was so much stuff I would have loved to have seen too
3: my favorite pitch that got turned down was it was a day in the life of Jack Tunney yes where he uh, he shows up you know he gets up in the morning he puts on his suit grinds his coffee takes the subway in and then like WWE headquarters is just like a like a like an animal house you know like Little Beaver shows up and wants revenge on King Kong Bundy and like Jake the Snake has a giant reptile ship there and like Rick Root stiffs him for airbrush tights and all that Nikolai Volkov's on the front step crying because they keep interrupting the Russian national anthem. Like, it would've been, I was so excited to write that. someday I think I may still, you know, produce it just as like fan art because it's such a fun story
2: the way you like told me like how it just ended of like you know he's patting Nikolai on the shoulder there that was
3: literally the end of it because it's it's like you know it starts out as like this animal house thing and then as it over time you sort of see him as this like this father to this group of like lovable losers and whatever and
2: and it's it's so great like that when you told me I remember you told me that I think two years ago and just the whole concept of that I'm like I want to see that happen and like again, in pro wrestling, there's so many different characters, so many different elements of what professional wrestling is. Like, I remember Lamb was telling me he was trying to pitch a Max Moon story, and I'm just like, that would have been amazing to see, too. But it's like the absurdity of it all.
3: No, I know, and that's that's what makes it great, though. And it's the same with comics, and, you know, I mean, you can just do crazy stuff and, like, you're like, oh, okay, like, you know, the... what's allowable and what's sort of... uh, the ground rules, I guess, are ever-shifting. And, uh, you know, obviously... In humanity, or whatever, you know, people can only run so fast, you know, and maybe it's incremental, you know, this guy runs another quarter of a second faster than the last guy, but I mean, in comics, you'd be like, oh yeah, this guy runs 100 miles an hour faster than the Flash, and you're like, oh, okay, this is the new paradigm.
2: And like, in pro wrestling, like, you know... We just we in this episode you're gonna be hearing some all elite wrestling roundtable stuff with Jericho, Nyla Rose, Jungle Boy, Randy Rhodes. Who else do we got in that one? Uh, uh, Randy Rhodes. Yeah, Brandy Rhodes was oh, there. I think oh, Randy. Rose. Rose. No, Randy, Randy. I think Randy Rhodes. Randy.
3: was like, was he the original Midnight Express guy?
2: <laughs> but no, and just like all the people, oh, Chris Jericho, John Moxley, all these people involved. Like, they all elite has the connection right now with DC Comics because they're under the TNT umbrella and there's, like, also so many parallels in that as well, you know, with DC and All Elite. What company would you equate WWE's, uh... What brand would you associate WWE with if you had to, like, link them over? DC, Marvel, Image even? No, not Image.
3: I mean, I think... I mean, WWE is just an animal. Like, it's a licensed animal. Like, it's... I mean, everybody's had a, you know, Titan, Paper Cuts, Marvel, uh... Valiant had Battlemania. I mean, literally. It's I same mean, Ditko co- did some I WWF mean, comics. They have. Uh, I mean, w- the WWE license has been passed around quite a bit. So, uh, but I mean, like
2: equating them to one, like, just, like how you know, you have I Warner mean, Brothers and Disney. You have General Mills and Kellogg.
3: I mean, to me, oh, I, to me, it's. I mean, it would be Marvel. I mean, to me, they're the the sort of accepted brand leader and whatnot. Mm. It's
2: funny too because all Elite has the connection with DC though, but they, like. They kind of remind me a little bit right now, at least because of the hotness of the brand, image. Just a little bit.
3: I mean, I guess there's a certain correlation with, you know, top guys forming their own company and whatnot, but I definitely think that the, the fan base is definitely, I feel like there's a lot of all elite wrestling fans that are probably Snyder Cut fans oh god you know what I mean like, hashtag I do
2: th- release the Snyder Cut did you see that billboard by the way Jesus Christ it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen it's like on par with the uh, Arrested Development we demand to be taken seriously society <laughs> right. of uh, illusionists
3: so. I saw a couple guys with shirts on at the show I mean it's let it go are they guys covering themselves up oh oh, oh just no a Snyder the, Cut yeah, shirts no. I mean it's it's uh, it's time it's time guys I mean at this point it could be i mean it could be shakespeare but it's, it's time is passed i mean
2: and it's funny too because in regards to that you know you have like dc is like their brand is kind of giving up right now on the movies like they don't care anymore they're just like okay we're going to make individual things like did you see joker this weekend at
3: all i didn't but i i actually like that idea better yeah i like the idea because i mean especially with dc they've rebooted so many heroes so many times i almost like the idea of just telling you know, doing those characters in different, different sort of takes and and whatnot, instead of you know, because at some point the continuity is gonna probably come to to hurt Marvel, I think, on some level. Unless, I mean, it's like wrestling—you got to make new stars, you know. Yeah. I mean, Cap and Iron Man are out. And now you gotta, you know, you gotta make new, you gotta make new stars.
2: My biggest complaint—I'll give the example because once again, the Stan Lee theory of everything is somebody's first, possibly. This episode, I've talked about it in the past. The idea that Marvel... Marvel, Oh, no, DC utilizes Batman to the degree they do, and they put, like, other characters to the side. When Telltale Games came out with, like, their Telltale Batman series, right? DC said, hey, we want to do a game with you guys. Telltale goes, who do you want? Batman. Marvel goes along, who do you want? Guardians of the Galaxy. You sure you don't want Iron Man or Captain America? No, Talking Tree and Raccoon. So I'm like, okay. But, like, it's always Batman, Batman, Batman. I get it. There's... As much as I, you know, like, have a little grievance, I'm like, Batman does have some of the best stories.
3: To me, that's always been the problem with DC and why it's been inherently less interesting for me. Um, just, there's too many, like, godlike characters. And no relatability. Is, right. I mean, like, super, like, Superman and Batman movie, like, the doomsday fight is just them running at each other, crashing, and then bouncing off, and then running back, and, like, while Batman stays in the side trying not to get killed, and, like, it's, like, I mean, guys have to have a vulnerability. And, like, it becomes too much of that stuff, you know what I mean? Like, Marvel's got Thor, and that's fine, you know what I mean? But, like, there has to be some kind of stakes. Like, I've always, like, as a kid, I've always gravitated more to street-level heroes than cosmic stuff. Like, I mean, I never really was a... I'm sorry, Jim Starlin, but I was never a huge Infinity Gauntlet fan, like, and I get it, like, I get, you know, why, why people love it, but... I mean, I was always a Moon Knight, Daredevil, like, I like Spider-Man, like, I like the street-level heroes, just because there's more stakes, and there's, you know I mean, there's a greater risk, and you can only threaten the the fabric of the universe so many times, because, and that's what you see with, like, event crossovers and stuff, like, I mean, I was just, I was reading through Immortal Hulk the other day, and, like, it Tony Stark has a giant satellite that just shoots him out of the sky, or whatever, I mean, like, it's... how how do, like, normal people live in that universe? Like, you know what I mean? Like, how do you even go to work when that sort of stuff happens, like, on that scale?
2: When you bring that up, I always, when it was still canon to everything with the MCU, the Netflix series, I was watching, like, Jessica Jones and I'm like wow Jessica Jones exists in the same exact universe as a talking raccoon in a tree and like you factor that in they all coexist but it's like it's so weird in how they do I'm
3: no, you know? really though I mean if you were filming a, a movie about an indie wrestler you would know who Hulk Hogan is but you wouldn't see Hulk Hogan I mean I, I, right. I go through that with Headlock. like I make references to these bigger wrestlers but you right. don't ever meet them yeah. I mean eventually you will and I'm sure at some point you know had it continued Jessica Jones would have crossed over with the Avengers yeah, so yeah, that'd be great. but like you know what I mean it's the same type of a, you know the universe is such a big place that you can sort of you know if you don't want to be a part of it like she was obviously actively avoiding that part of her lifestyle or whatever that her upbringing powers whatever like
2: my, my biggest takeaway, though, in regards to a lot of, like, you know, the, uh, the stuff, when you mentioned the street-level heroes, that was also always my very first love of this stuff, because even Spider-Man is technically the street-level kind of thing. Oh,
3: 100%. Absolutely. And he's just grandiose, because he's got such a wide range of, uh, you know, rogues gallery, but... but... like, you bring up Daredevil. Daredevil, like... Yeah.
2: I remember going to see him at the drive-in in 2003, Daredevil, and... I haven't watched it in, like, maybe 15 years, give or take, but I loved that movie when it first came out, and I'm like, I don't want to revisit it, and I don't even want to watch the Coolio director's cut.
3: It's tough. I mean, yeah, people got to release the Coolio cut.
2: They do, and they did. And (laughs) it it apparently was good. But It's like, yeah, just the... I've always been also connected to those street level characters because, again, they're they're quote-unquote real. They're relatable.
3: To me, there's two types... And I see you see it in wrestling too, you see it in comics. There's two types of heroes to me. There's the everyman hero and then there's the wish fulfillment hero. Yeah. And I think that I think that's part of partly why Batman is so popular, because he's also he's he's somewhat of an everyman, but you know, in theory when written a certain way, like is taking down these godlike heroes. So it's he sort of got a little of both. Yeah. But like to me, like, Superman's not relatable and I think that's always been the hardest part of him being their flagship character, whereas Spider-Man is super relatable.
2: I feel like though in recent years Batman has become flagship, you
3: know? Sure, but I mean Superman's the brand I mean, yeah. like people will say, you know what I mean, like oh look like, looking at guys over here Superman or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a it's a almost a turn of phrase at this point, you know, like a colloquial phrase
2: dawned on me just now like the realization the death of superman in the 90s kind of killed the superman brand for, like the past
3: 20 like, something years i think superman to me i was never interested in it like i you know i watched the movies and stuff and like i'll, I'll tell you superman and john cena same problem yeah. like the way john cena was booked like john cena is a real life superhero i mean the the way that you know, he lives his life and you know the way he carries himself and all that but like WWE couldn't get their fans, their adult fans, behind them because it becomes a point where it's not believable. You know, you have to you have to have some sort of s- struggle or stakes. And, I mean, every Superman story involves kryptonite because there's, that's the only thing you can do with them. And right. I think that that's, that's unfortunate, you know what I mean? And that's where, like, Thanos helped the Avengers because, I mean, the Hulk was so powerful. By the end, I mean, he punched a spaceship, for God's sakes. You know what I mean? And it's a real hard thing to... It's a real hard thing to, you know, where do you go from there? Yeah. But, you know what I mean, to be able to, to go to a cosmic level hero to 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 get the to take the Hulk down and whatever that makes sense or to beat him psychologically, but you can't do that with Superman. I mean, he doesn't have, in theory, he doesn't have any discernible weaknesses. He doesn't have a mental weakness. He doesn't have an emotional weakness. It's just kryptonite. That's it. And
2: it always makes me curious. Not curious, but it like, makes me laugh whenever I see the whole issue of whenever a new writer comes aboard as Superman, they always find a way to introduce a new power. I guess Bendis did a new power, the one before him did one, et cetera, et cetera. And you look at that, and it's... When do you run out of the ideas? You know what I mean? Like, right. what's the new next new power going to be, and how can you, like, really adapt that? Like, I mean, we'll, honestly,
3: I think that's lazy writing, and I are. hate it. Like, I think... I hate when people ignore continuity. I hate when people kill people just to kill people because nothing, eventually nothing matters. I mean, if I can make the wrestling analogy again, house shows. You know? Like, it got to a point where everybody realized, like, title changes only happen on TV. I'm not going to go to a house show. You yeah. know? And then, you know, only the diehards go to the house shows. And only the diehards, you know what I mean? Like, comics has, has gotten to the point now. I mean, like, you just brought up the point about house
2: shows. Yeah. I also realized the baby faces always win. Always at the end, yes. Yeah, and like when you just mentioned also about title changes, I remember I went with to a house show in Poughkeepsie, New York, because you know all the big shows happen in Poughkeepsie. Uh, We go to the show, and it was Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton for the title. It was a practice match, move for move, pretty much before the Royal Rumble two thousand eight match. Okay. That match happens, and there's somebody yelling, "Come on, Jeff, beat him! You're gonna beat him!" And you hear my
3: friend T.J. just yell, "He's not gonna win in Poughkeepsie, New York." It's funny too because Poughkeepsie used to be the hotbed, man. I just, I, you know, Northeast Wrestling runs in Poughkeepsie, and
2: Piper uh, shaved a little person's head there.
3: Well, that's it's funny, but that's where Randy Sandwich debuted Elizabeth, yeah. and uh, that was, I believe, it was Jerry's first day on commentary. It was uh, also in Poughkeepsie, so there's a lot of a lot of history in the Mid Hudson Civic Center. Uh, and now it's like a long convoluted name
2: involving some woman that I don't even know anymore. You heard about a- that? They changed it. Just like, recently. It's going to be, I
3: think, this year or next. But it's oh. like Going into effect. But it's the Mid Hudson Civics, area. sure. Absolutely. I mean, I live in the you know I live in Albany, New York, and it was uh, it was always the Knickerbocker Arena, and then it became the Pepsi Center, the Times Union Center, whatever. But like to me, it's always the Knicks. So I mean, I don't think anybody you ever lose that, you know.
2: And speaking of never lose that, Ric Flair didn't lose in the Knickerbocker Arena at the Royal Rumble, 1992. I was there.
3: Were you really, dude? I've seen so much wrestling history. I was at the Rumble '92. I was live at the Screwjob. Samoa Joe, the second person I've ever met that was at the school job. Samoa Joe and Kenta Kibashi, The New York. It's funny because when I was so I live in upstate New York. I'm about two and a half hours north of the city, and it was 14 years ago this week that I came to New York for the very first time for Samoa Joe and Kentikabashi. Wow. Because when I was a kid, like I mean, you watch movies and it's every every movie that shows New York City is a guy with a mohawk and a switchblade. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it's it, it was a it was a shithole and. They cleaned it up, and now it's like Disneyland. But you know what I mean. Like I was always skeptical about it. Like everybody, you know, from the outside, like everybody that lived in, you know, I lived in Syracuse. Like made it seem like this big, crazy place that you couldn't navigate on your own. And I got a friend of mine who lived near me. Like, will you help me come to the city because I want to see this match? And that's what got me. That's what got me to come to New York City for the first time. And to this day, I can't imagine anything will ever top it. But it's the single greatest live experience I've had as a wrestling fan. I mean, I've been to probably. I feel like I've been to at least well over a dozen WrestleManias. Like I said, I was at the Rumble 92, I was at the Screwjob. I mean, I've seen, uh, I watched Kurt Angle win his first WWE title, I was at No Mercy. Um, I've seen all kinds of stuff, but uh, there will never be, I I can't imagine the way wrestling's exposed right now that anybody will ever be able to present a match to me in the way that Samoa Joe and Kenta Kabashi was presented. And I mean, I don't know. I realize
2: some of our hardcore Marvel fans are going to be like, oh, why are they talking about wrestling? But this is an excuse just to talk about wrestling right now. So, hey, you know, we can fast forward or whatever. I don't care. But for me, also going over the idea of, you know, the shows, I remember I would mainly go to house shows and Northeast Wrestling shows where nothing really happens. And Northeast Wrestling, they put on a very good show. They they have great talent. But I'm also like, well, I know I'm not going to see, you know, something historic, but it's the opportunity of meeting them. I used to go to Ring of Honor shows at the Hammerstein Ballroom Manhattan Center, and that was where I got to see the rise of Kevin Steen, now Owens. Right. He apparently got married and, you know, changed his name, ha uh-huh. But uh, <laughs> the idea of seeing, like, you know, these characters rise, too, and you can equate it also to the comic book characters, where you see a character, like, for me watching Kevin Owens, like, just evolve as his personality, and it's funny because you have characters that you want to boo, but they become the characters you learn to love and Marvel has those kind of characters, like, people love Thanos, though, like, you know. Sure. And is there going to be a day when, you know, they make Thanos into a good character again, like they
3: did, you know, obviously in Gauntlet, but maybe make him into an ongoing series where you kind of root for him? I mean, I think, honestly, if you're doing your job as a writer, everybody should have some element of relatability. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think evil for the sake of evil is totally, like, a played-out concept. And unless you're Mephisto, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I mean, like, other than that, I feel like everybody needs to have some sort of a relatable, you know... I think on some level, you know, I mean, in the comics at least, you know, with Thanos, you know, being in love with death, I mean, it makes sense. And with you A people love that. Right. But, I mean, like, you know, what I mean, it makes yeah. sense. Like, you know, like, they've gotten it over to the point that you understand that he has that feeling that he's willing to you know wipe out all these people so I mean obviously it's a it's a real you know what I mean it's it, it makes it, it humanizes him a little bit I guess so it's uh it's interesting but I think any writer worth their salt is gonna is gonna give you a, at least some reason to feel good for the you know root for the bad guy now before
2: we end up wrapping this episode up because we still have the all elite wrestling things and that's gonna be I wanna say about 40 something minutes worth of audio in there alone so we got a nice big chunk of Pro wrestling, and we got New York Funny Book Fair, all that stuff. There's
3: wait, wait, wait. Am I jerking the curtain on this thing? Well, what the hell? We're all together, sir. <laughs> we're
2: all the main event. Believe me on that one. But in regards to comic books and pro wrestling, when I went to my very first convention, the over, like the, the massiveness of New York Comic Con, and Raven was there too. So there was all still right. that for me that little connection to pro wrestling. And by the way, I remember seeing you in Artist Alley back in the day. And yeah, it
3: was like Jerry and I were next to Raven the one year.
2: It's, it's still like, it's such a small world, like how we've all got the interconnections. I've been going around New York Comic Con all weekend, by the way, running into people at least two or three times an hour, and it's like, I feel like the mayor of Comic Con now, and I'm just like, what the fuck?
3: I see all your pictures, where yeah. you meet all these celebrities, and I always wonder, like, man, how do you see people? Like, I, I don't see anybody. Like, I, I mean, I walk past people that I know. And like, like, oh, I cannot turn around, like, but I, I can't see anybody in the crowd, like, I guess because I played football for so many years, like, I'm looking for the holes.
2: I need glasses, so even I don't even know.
3: But <laughs> my thing is,
2: like, I remember uh, running into, like, Michael Uslin, the uh, producer of the Batman movies. Right. And, like, I guarantee you, I was the only person that walked up to him and go,
3: Michael Uslin!
2: I'm... <laughs> well, no, sorry. Michael Uslin! I'd like to meet you, sir. I love Batman. Now I just turned into Carol Channing halfway through that again, but whatever. R.I.P. Carol Channing, but the I, this is a Marvel podcast where Carol Channing gets a name from.
4: Right, right. It's uh, we're a
3: rarity. We're out of the box here.
2: Yeah, but the the whole thing of like going around New York Comic Con, like over the years, just seeing it get bigger and bigger and. It's an event, just like, you know, going to Wrestlemania. I went to Wrestlemania, um, and also with the conventions, too, like, the sizes. I went to Wrestlemania 29, which, out of all the wrestling shows I've been to, that was certainly one of them. It was, you know, <laughs> seeing that, like, the massive people. And then two weeks later, I went to go see my uh, friend of the show, CJ Mira, his first ever wrestling match. And it was at a tiny little venue inside of a party place, like, you know, like a, like a Chuck E. Cheese kind of place. But, like, watching that, going from... I want to say, wasn't it like 85,000
3: plus or something? It was a big one. I mean, you can never trust the attendance numbers yeah. on a WrestleMania, so... But you can subtract about 15,000, and maybe that's, that's the number. True. But, like, seeing that many people at a
2: show, and then going to another one, you're like, there's 20. I'm like, what the, what the hell?
3: I think, like, as an art form, like, wrestling, to me, is one of the only true American art forms, yes. along with jazz music. And I think that wrestling is very much like jazz music—that you steal its soul when you record it. Like wrestling, to me, is meant to meant to be watched live. I don't. I agree. WrestleMania is an event, and I get it. But to me, it's not how I want to watch wrestling. Like I want to watch wrestling in a bingo hall or a VFW, or you know what I mean. Like no more. Don't you more, miss two CW? I every day, man. Every day. But I mean, no more than no more than a thousand fans, yeah. and you—you you want to hear the smack of the flesh, you want to see the ring move, you want to see the sweat fly, like, that's what I want. Like, I want, like, that to me is what wrestling is, and that's what makes it so much more immersive. Like, I feel like when you put it on TV, like, you take you take a little bit of its soul, just like jazz music, like, I'll go to any jazz concert, anywhere, ever, but I don't ever listen to it recorded. It's elevator music you know what I mean like and that's I've never thought about it like that with the jazz music yeah, especially but you, you take part of its soul when you record it and I, I feel that way about wrestling in my bones like I would much I would much be more likely to go watch you know 20 guys I've never heard of at a high school gym than I would to you know to go to Wrestlemania I mean I go to some WrestleManias. but I mean
2: but, I, I do love the indies though and like when I go to the smaller shows I want to give a big thank you to Kevin Gill of the Kevin Gill Show check him out on uh, Twitter, iTunes all that stuff but he gave you know he bought me a ticket to go to Game Changer Wrestling and they were in Brooklyn and it was in a tiny little artsy venue but it was the Fifty One Fifty Attribute to Homicide which right. is the greatest name for a show by the way if you're like just going by you know walking by like, Attribute to Homicide huh <laughs> and just walk by comedy huh but like just the idea of going to that show seeing that tiny little venue and I you know we were sitting there before the show started. And, like, I'm in there before doors open watching the wrestlers practice in the ring, and I haven't told this story before, but watching them practice in the ring while Dirty Diana on plays on the PA system, I'm watching them do moves, and, I'm like, first off, I'm like, what the hell is my life right now? And I'm just watching that. I'm like, this is the coolest, like, dirty underground kind of fight feel. Right. And, like, I'm a big fan of game-changer wrestling. A lot of the stuff that Joey Janela did with him especially, and now that Joey's, I guess, exclusively, we're never going to see a spring break, which...
3: I think uh, he's got the ability to do spring break. I hope so. I, really I believe that. So. I believe that's he'll be allowed to do spring break. But, but I'm not. I'm not 100. Don't quote me on that. But I believe that's the, the case.
2: But just the idea of you know going around these different shows, the smaller level shows, and also like it's like going to the small comic conventions and you're seeing these guys build up a name for themselves and you know get some momentum and. Imagine being, like, you know, like, if the people from the 60s were around now, like, going to a small convention and seeing, like, a Jack Kirby or a Steve Ditko, and you're just like, wow, I'm seeing them as they're starting out, and I get to, you know, be on the cusp of it. And, like, I got to watch Kevin Owens, like, when he was starting, like, not when he was starting, I was getting in 2009, became a humongous fan of the guy, like, by 2013, 2014. And I got to you know watch these guys rise up. There's like also like equivalent of going to like concerts and watching like that small level band. Mm-hmm. I went into a Hot Topic wearing a Kevin Steen uh, Mr. Wrestling t-shirt, right? And I'm just like, in two years we're gonna see Kevin Owen, or Kevin Steen t-shirts. Two years later, I see the Kevin Owens show sure. shirts, and I'm like,
3: this is so damn cool. Yeah. That's no, and that's the best when for you forge that connection with somebody. I mean, like I, I've been friends with uh, Samoa Joe for. Joey Samoe? Yes, for a long, long time, you know, and uh, it's always cool, like, the thing about it that's cool for me now is that, like, I'm friends with so many guys, like, wrestling's real for me again, like, I want Joe to win, I want AJ to win, I want Daniels and Kaz to win, because, like, you know, they're my friends, and I know that it's better for their career, you know what I mean, even though it's predetermined whatever, it's better for them to obviously be winning on television, winning titles and stuff, because it is, it is better for them You know, in the long run, and I love seeing guys get signed. I worry about you know, like when I watch, I cringe. I mean, I I hate. I don't even. I can't even watch Chris Daniels in ladder matches anymore because it's horrible. Like it's, you know what I mean. Like I just, I worry about the guy because he's such a good dude. You know what I mean. And it's, it's that kind of stuff. I think that, uh, you know what I mean. That that makes wrestling real for me. Like, I'm, you know. And that, that's brought me a deeper level of enjoyment, I guess, than I've had in a long time, which we I mean, creatively like, it may not be you know, at its peak but I mean, at least I still have a, a strong emotional connection when I watch it. So. Absolutely. And again, just that, that connection of,
2: like I said, watching the guys rise up and like, I love seeing a lot of the guys now like, get signed to WWE because I'm like, you see them build up this, you know, fan base and they deserve the success because of how they treat their fans as they're way going up. Like Kevin has been one of my favorites for like like I said ten years now. And I remember when he got signed, I, I recounted this little story. I go, my first Ring of Honor show was Daniel Bryan's final. Like what a perfect time to jump on, huh? All right, so that happens and I remember I'm watching right before we had to leave I'm watching all the wrestlers do their thing and the one that everyone resonated with was D Bryan. And I'm watching him and I'm just like watching some fans like they're quiet the whole show they get into his match like it's like a boxing match like come on hit him hit him, hit him. they're like you know coaching him on the side in the front row but I'm like wow they're really into this and I couldn't connect with that like I'm like whatever fast forward to 2014 War of the Worlds at the Hammerstein Ballroom I'm sitting all the way up in the balcony it's Kevin Steen versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Nakamura is I guess the good guy Steen is the bad guy whatever Owens loses and i'm sitting in the balcony and i'm giving nakamura the finger while he's you know celebrating and but i'm like i understood and like i I like maybe an hour of sleep the night before because i was so hyped to go to the show and his match and the young bucks match were the only matches i was into the whole night but watching that i'm just like wow i now understand how those fans feel i see owens at a show like a month later right before he got signed to wwe and I said to him, I'm like, now I understand how those Daniel Bryan fans feel, and I said to him, I'm like, I gave Nakamura the finger, he burst out laughing, and goes, thank you, and shakes my hand.
3: I, uh, that's a funny story about my wife, like, she's not into any of, any of this world, you know, and every once in a while, like, she's gotta come to a wrestling show with me, and, you know, so I remember when I first moved up here, we went to uh, WWE, it was a Smackdown taping, and occasionally, she's a speech therapist and she'd see people that she knew. She'd be like, Oh, I'm just here with him, you know, I'm just here with him, or whatever. And then we're sitting there, and we're watching it, and we're watching it, and, you know, she roll her eyes and stuff. And then they had Rey Mysterio and Kurt Angle. And then just out of nowhere she yells, Stop kicking him <laughs> like they got her, you know, and that's yeah. the that's the best though. That's the the most beautiful thing. Like I remember like to this day, one of the best near falls I've ever seen. Uh, Austin Aries was wrestling Spanky and it, it was uh, Aries' second title second title defense. And you know like when Ring of Honor back in the day everybody had the title for like a year. So you're like there's no way there's gonna be a title change. And uh, so they do the you know they're doing the match and it's good or whatever. But you know there's no to me there's no there's no investment. And then Spangy hits the splice the sliced bread and Aries takes a bump and he's gonna go out of the ring and Spanky crawls across the ring and catches him so he doesn't go out of the ring and pulls him back in for the pin. And in my, like, right then, I was like, holy shit, he's going to win it. Like, I can't believe it. Like, it was such a, you know, in my in my head, I knew that he wasn't going to win. But then they got me, you know. And that's the best feeling. Like, when you think you know all the tricks and then they still sucker you in. There was a match. I remember it was, I want
2: to say, the Ring of Honor 10th anniversary show. Something. It was some show at the uh, Hammerstein in the Manhattan Center. It was TJ Perkins versus Colt Cabana. And I'm watching the match. And this was when I was a big Colt Cabana fan and I'm watching the match go on, and the match ends in like just this gut of a finisher, and this this one way it was like a quick roll up. Cabana loses, or something. But like we didn't see the Billy Goat's Curse. We didn't see this. We didn't see this. It was just a quick finish, like a fluke finish. But I'm sitting there, and Cabana sees me in like fourth row, and I just look at him like, what the hell was that? And like even like he's like, sorry. And I'm like, like just that little connection. Like we're so invested in that. Sure, sure. And yeah, it's it's the magic of pro wrestling, and that's again connecting over to comic books and Marvel and stuff. That's the power of good storytelling.
3: One hundred percent. So yeah, I think that uh, like comics is the same way though, you know, like if you can uh, I mean if you if you do it right and you turn that page and it's boom, you know what I mean? Like that's the that's the beauty, that's the thing that comics has that nobody else has, is the ability to turn the page, you know, it's such a
2: like Bob Seeker.
3: Yes. And you gotta you gotta make the most of that as a as a as a device you know but I mean if you can when you set it up man that next page and like wow if you can floor them man that's it's nothing like it you know no other medium can do that
2: so now before this episode is over we are going to go over to our all elite wrestling round table that we got to be a part of at New York Comic Con
3: you're welcome for the house guys
5: as we go. I don't know friend, talking a a t- t- to it. Uh, they picked
6: a good shot for you. One
5: thing that well first of all the episode was awesome. Thank, Thank you. Thank, great you. Thank you. Great match. Thank you. Amazing. Uh, Cody said he had that tweet that big long the note uh, before the show launched uh, something important he said was about How much he wanted it to be fan-centric And he ex- he wanted feedback He wanted the fans to say what you guys did right What you guys did wrong uh, How important is that to you? And do you like And do you get Are you is there a fear of there being a difference Between receiving feedback and just Fans demanding like fan service?
7: So there's, uh, there's There's a bit of a fine line Between the two, you know Um and I think you really have to be good at, like, compartmentalizing and, and recognizing what is what. You know, some people just aren't going to be happy no matter what you give them. You know, it's like, you know, I want I want a truck. You give them, give them a truck. It's like, well, it's, it's not a blue truck. Okay, well, let me give you a blue truck. Oh, it's not a blue truck with... You know, forty-five inch tires. I don't know cars. I don't know if they come that big. <laughs> You're doing fine, <part. laughs> but, but you get my you get my point, right? So it's like some people are just not going to be happy no matter what you give them, um, and and usually they are the ones who take to the internet to just kind of crap on everything. They're just and a lot of that is like their daily stress in life, and they're just blowing off some steam on the internet. No harm, no foul. Um, and I, I just think it. it comes with the territory, knowing how to navigate the internet, knowing what is what and it's like, okay, well, these people are just bitching just a bitch, let them blow off the steam, have their day <laughs> not wearing my glasses hello, <laughs> um, let them bluff off the steam have their day, and then like the other side of that is like, okay, well, you know, this person making some good points, maybe I should try something a little bit different, you know, let's, let's you know, why can't I try it the way they suggested you know, if it's no harm to you, you're you know your safety or your character why not you know but that's that's up to the artist's discretion
6: i guess to kind of continue from that i know especially with twitter and there's a lot of people who do put certain things out there and i'm a little bit of a loud mouth and someone has something to say to me i have a hard time pulling back a little bit um i know being in a corporate kind of structure there is that balance for you, I guess, navigating this new stage that you guys are on, how comfortable do you feel responding to certain things versus maybe pulling back? And, you know, it's, it's tough. I know I couldn't really do it. I have a hard time doing that.
8: Um, I think we're kind of on different ends of the spectrum here. For, for me, it's pretty easy um, to kind of just... Uh, you know, I think it's maybe something I learned growing up. Kind of, It just... The thing at the end of the day is it's it's not important when people say negative. Obviously, it's important what the fans think, but there are things out there that just aren't important, people's personal opinions on other So it just, at the end of the day, we're here to do what we're here to do, and we're here for a reason. And, uh, you know, if pe- people want to say mean things all the time. so you know what? Go ahead. Whatever. I think I'm a little
7: too comfortable in clapping back. <laughs> um... <laughs> So I, uh, it's been a bit of a learning curve for myself, but just kind of knowing, uh, knowing how to choose my battles, you know, uh, knowing, knowing when and what to let go. Um, you know, I, I grew up in the Attitude Era, so you know, hearing, hearing certain things stuff like doesn't really connect with me a certain way. So some of my clapbacks may come off a little too harsh, uh, and you know, there's a little bit of uh, collateral damage on the side of that, and. <laughs> It's just—it's just one of those things. Like, it's haven't had to think about it before, but now it's like, oh wow, you know, I'm, I'm reaching a broader spectrum of people. I'm reaching way more people than before. So things that I haven't necessarily had to take into consideration and have kind of been, you know, on my own self, been ignorant to and overlooked. Um, now I'm finding, you know, say, so, hey, you know, maybe. You know, even though this is a pointed comment at this particular individual, how could this affect somebody else? You know, because I don't want to do that. You know, so it's, it's it's a bit of a
6: learning curve. Got gotcha. you. I'm with you. <laughs> Thank
9: you, guys. I want to shoot gears a little bit and ask about the partnership with. I wish. I don't know anything about cars either. <laughs> yeah, I think I just put it in reverse. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what happened. Um, and ask about the partnership with DC Comics, the art that came out over the weekend. How exciting was it for both of you to see that art? And if there was ever an AEW comic, either at DC or elsewhere, are there any writers of your comics fans that you'd love to Work with? I love this
7: question. Um, I'm, excuse me, I'm just going to take off my professional hat.
9: <laughs> Holy crap, that was awesome!
7: It was like, it was so beautiful. It
9: too. was that fantastic.
7: Was like that, like, growing up as a fan of like comics and video games and it's you just, like, okay, so uh, I, I don't think it's a secret. My, my background is in acting and performance. Like, I've always wanted to, you know, do cartoons, like, do some voiceover work. Um, never, never, only scratched the surface of it, but never really fully got into it. So, seeing myself that way was, like, truly a dream come true, especially in DC Comics. Like, like, what is this world coming to? And then I made a little quip on the internet. I was like, oh, I think it's canon. And having one of the artists be like, yeah, I can confirm. Like, and I'm like, ah!
2: like. I, so you know Batman. <laughs> That's what we're getting at.
7: Listen, I'm not saying I don't know Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave that open to interpretation.
9: Batman is all your co-workers now. Professional color Like
8: I said, I'm not saying I don't know
9: Batman. <laughs>
8: For me, yeah, I, I love uh, all these sort of art things in general. I uh, For the first time now, I'm getting a lot of fan art, too, which I think is really cool. I think it's, it's just awesome that someone takes the time out of their day and kind of puts their effort and their love into creating something. So I love seeing that. The DC Comics thing was awesome. That was just... I kind of don't really even have the words for it it's just so cool I don't really even know how to say it you know, especially
7: when you, when you don't expect it
8: yeah I didn't know that was a thing yeah and really, I, no I just like, saw it and I was like oh man so
7: I, I saw Jericho's, and I was yeah. like oh you know this is, you know what yeah. Villains Week yeah, Villains yeah, yeah, Week yeah. on nice. TNT and, and I'm thinking okay cool well you know I just got to the dance like there's yeah. no way on I, earth I, figure, like,
8: I figured Jericho Cody I, that, that, that then when I saw mine I was like damn that's yeah. cool
2: now, in regards to the whole comic book and the wrestling aspect, what do you feel is like the biggest connector between the two?
7: I don't necessarily know that there's a disconnect. Uh, to be totally honest with you, um, it's it's almost like pro wrestling. I've always thought has always been kind of like a comic book come to life. Uh, you know, before comic book movies became a big thing, you know, there was pro wrestling, and you had the same. Uh, tropes and character types and all this stuff existed in pro wrestling, um, so for me, I don't, I don't know that there is a disconnect. I mean, if I'm being totally honest with you, when I first started kind of putting the pieces together of who Nyla Rose was, I looked to comics and video games for inspiration for my my outfit for my, my character. You know, a lot of it came from you know my own culture, but some of that did come from uh, Sucker Punch, the movie. You know, which was like uh, another type of uh, comic book, you know. So it's it's there. There
8: definitely is a, is a fluidity between the two. I think it's a big connector is kind of these just larger than life characters. Um, you know, when I think about when I first kind of found wrestling and fell in love, I remember I was a little kid and I just remember there were these big, buff, crazy, cool looking dudes. There were fireworks. There were pretty women and there were just the craziest athletic action things I'd ever seen. I think if you look at that, that's that's what comic books are as well. So I think it's just kinda it's just the most over-the-top, craziest fun that you can have. This dude rides a dinosaur.
7: (laughs) Like the last time I saw that was on Genosha. Like, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying.
0: All right, so when you guys worked on the, the quote unquote, independence, and now you're on probably the grandest scale stage that you've ever been on, what was it like, and you've done the the pay-per-views and everything else, but knowing that the show on TNT, it's live, this is the beginning of a new era, this is it, what was the feeling for the both of you? Going out there and going through that curtain and going, Holy shit, I'm about to do this. What is that like, especially for you? I mean, you've had a, yeah. a, a crazy year.
8: Yeah, it was crazy. For <laughs> to me, say the least. With, the, with this particular one, my match actually didn't get aired on the show. Yeah. It's getting aired uh, well, late, in a couple I of days, know. I think. AEW, time. time. Yes. Yeah. It was Working oh. title. <laughs> Working <laughs> title. But I got to say
0: it that way or it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
8: So. Uh, I'm still looking forward to, I guess, my actual TV debut. Um, But still, we got to close out the show in the arena. And just... Well, the thing was uh, that it's cool. I got to actually watch the show as well, because that was until last. So just to see it kind of come to life... I I was saying earlier, they were asking us, everyone was nervous and all, but the hard work has kind of already been laid. It's been done. And now we're here getting here was the battle so it's just time to go and do what we do so just being able to see it come to life in that intro and the fire all of it it was just it was amazing I honestly have nothing to add he kind of like
7: summarized it you know all of it is absolutely incredible just to see all your hard work because it definitely has been a team effort you know, to, to, to see everybody, everything that everyone's put together, see it come to life, take shape, and yeah. see people genuinely, with every fiber of their being, absolutely enjoy what they're watching and and have a hunger for more. It's I, I don't have the words, but I don't think there are words for that. You know,
6: hundred percent. I mean, just as a fan observer of and observer, and this will be sport, our last question, guys. Uh, unfortunately, being on the outside, I haven't felt that way about 15 years I guess going into the next television uh show a lot of potential matchups for you guys who are you excited to compete on live television
8: my uh, uh, yeah my first uh tv match is week three it's with the lucha brothers and I'm super excited for that because those were two guys I uh was a big fan of on the indies um and I've never got to work with them so I think that's gonna be super cool and uh especially since it's my first tv as well I'm super excited for that yeah, I, I don't care who they put in front of me. Um, quite frankly,
7: I, I'm going to knock them all down, knock them all out, um, get a couple victories under my belt, get that title.
0: Thank you, guys.
10: Thank you, guys. Congratulations. Thank you. Super exciting. Perfect. So you guys are
6: going gonna to go right over this table over here. I'm really paranoid. I'm
10: just
9: going to
6: these up. I know. Anyway. I keep, like, I can't see the- Well,
1: on. Strange
6: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Welcome to the party. About good stranger? Yes. I don't know where to look because there's all these cameras and microphones and different right, you know. I don't know where to focus well, you with
0: you.
1: Follow your heart. <laughs> That's what I do.
0: It'll guide you. Who wants to go first?
5: I'll go Same. Yeah, uh, same Same old. Yeah, good to go, babe. Cody tweeted uh, right before the show launched about how they want to be, you know, uh, with the fans in this adventure. They want to take feedback from the fans. You send them feedback, whether it's good, whether it's bad, so on and so forth. Um, how important or how much do you agree with that? And is do you is there a fear of there being like a disconnect between, you know, constructive feedback and then just fans? demanding their own, you know,
1: their fans service? Uh, I think uh, the guys who are, you know, at the, really at the head of this uh, from day one and have been here since day one, I think they're really in tune with what their fans want, so I don't think that that issue is gonna come up all that much, but uh, yeah, there, there is, you can't just uh, give the fans everything they want because, like, all the time, and what I mean by that is they want the good guy to win but you can't just have a good guy win on day one. Good guys got to win, you know, because you can't end the you can't have the season uh, finale on the first day. You know what I mean? You gotta you gotta have a long term plan in mind. But I think that we're really in tune with what the fans want, and uh, I think uh, cool thing about you know, the the, you know, the fans are gonna be like they t- they tell you whether they like something or not. It's like if you're if you're have experience and you're good at this you know whether it was good or not.
9: And you, you know, usually
1: like by the time you get to the back, you know like, oh, that missed the mark or that sucked or like, you know, that rule, you know, like the 14,000 people in the building the other night told us whether or not they liked the show because they were going nuts the whole time when, uh, for the main event, for the first match, the women's match. So you can pick the show apart and say this and that and oh, we want them to do this or that or whatever, or give your analysis or whatever. But all the people in the arena were going nuts. So you know, uh, as long as they continue to that, I think we're on the right track.
0: Thank you. So, sure. Yeah. All right. So what's it like for you, you directly, to be finally to be you and not be something else that someone else decided you were going to be, and just be yourself, or be at least an exaggeration of yourself?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I. I like, right now, I'm not, like, playing any kind of character or anything. I didn't have some, like, big plan of, like, all right, I'm going to do this new thing. I'm going to be the magician Ooh. when I get out of it. I didn't, like, <laughs> sit and think of something. Nah, I'm just kind of figuring out as I go along. I'm still almost, you know, I was in a bit of shell shock when I originally left, and I had to kind of, like, almost, like, work the rust off. It was yeah. like i have been asleep for fucking five years. So, uh, but it feels really good. Like, uh, you know, over there, I... I tried really hard to do it their way and because this is what you're supposed to do and whatever and like, I just got, just went brain dead, like, uh, literally, Like, it was, it's crazy, it was, almost, it was almost literally like, there was another person that just ceased to exist and like, you know, I made the little thing with like the prison metaphor or whatever, yeah. but it almost was like, a guy who got out of prison and we haven't seen him for seven years you know it was like when nick gage got out of jail it was like oh he's back you know, like, where's he been yeah you know more so than i would have thought it almost literally is like i feel like a new person it's crazy you know? i guess to
6: bounce off of that as far as creative freedom goes in aew do you feel like you're able to have a lot of input as to where you want to take yourself is it a collaborative effort with some of the higher-ups, how do you see yourself in
1: that uh, A little bit of both. Like, I mean, I I think since I left WWE, I don't think I've been told no once by any promoter. Promote. It's like, usually it's like whatever you want to do. Uh, with, uh, for instance, like with uh, I Russell Joey Janela at the fight event, so I said to them, like, all right, you're gonna put at first, I was like, "Okay, cool, we'll do some cool nutty stuff." And then I thought we'd be somewhere in the middle of the card. And then I realized we we're the main event. And I started, once I started really learning more about Joey Janela and realizing this is like for like the death match set. This is like a dream match. And now i Now we're the main event, and now I realize the expectations are so high. And now I'm like, so I said to them, "I'm like, you realize just by putting me and Joey's names together, you've created an expectation for some insanity." And anything less than absolute balls out is gonna be a disappointment. And I'm not gonna be in the business of disappointing fans anymore. Because I do that for years when I have to read these stupid scripts where it's like, I'm gonna eviscerate your skull in the hell of cell. <laughs> And it's like, no I'm not. I know I'm not gonna. I know there's not gonna be any, bl- I'm lying. I'm lying to the fan. I'm selling this violence, it's not gonna happen. So I was like, this, the expectations are so high, so I was like, I wanna take it right to the level where they go, oh my God, and they have to look away, and then like one step further, which is like literally exactly what we did. Uh, but I remember saying to them, I was like, he's like, whatever you wanna do, and I'm like, I need thumbtacks, barbed wire, that's all. PG-13, not the death match, just, you know. And he's like, cool, sure. But if I'd have been like, I also want a flaming brick and I want a monster truck that shoots, uh, I don't know, something. Yeah, basically anything I would've asked for, you know, save for a chainsaw, they probably would've given me. So uh, that's just one little example. I mean, I don't wanna do that every night. Believe me, I do not wanna do that every night. That was a special occasion. But uh, I think it just, everything I've, every conversation I've had where I'm like, yeah, this is how I see it. It's like cool. If that's how you see it, then that's how you want your character to be, you know? The way I saw it this past week is like, hey, I didn't make it to the fight in Chicago. Where I come from, you don't show up to the fight, you kind of forfeit your ability to talk shit. So like, I'm like, all right, so I gotta sit back and let everybody run their mouth and call me damaged goods or say whatever. Say whatever you want about me not being at all out or whatever, I'm like, okay, until I see you again and then I'm gonna slap you in your fucking mouth and then I'm gonna drill your head through a freaking table and then I'm gonna leave you laying and put you in the hospital and then maybe I'll talk a little crap about you now and see how it feels. So there was no need for words, for instance, on Wednesday for me. I didn't feel like it was a night of action and uh, that's how I saw it, you know? Uh, that's how they saw it too. <laughs> so like, almost like we're all on the same page, you know? And I haven't, I haven't had to shoot down any bad ideas from anybody, which is great. You know, I used to go into a TV, and it's like I start in a hole. Like, how bad is it? Oh God! Maybe we, if we can just make this crap passable, it will be a victory. But everything, I, you know, everything so far, you no know, I'm not. Everything so far is great. It's almost too good to be true. It's like, but it's so simple. It's like we're all. You got like some of the most like no pun intended elite wrestlers in the world, all guys who are veterans in their prime. With. Huge fan bases, understand their fan bases. We know what's good and what's not. Like everything put together, double or nothing. Everything like we just, we don't need writers or producers or anything like that. Like we know what we're doing. You know, you got it's another cool thing we're talking about. Like the top six or eight guys here: myself, Bucks, Kenny, Chris, Jericho, uh, even Pac, Spears. I mean, there's like eight or ten guys at the top. If we wanted to be in WWE right now, we could. I'm making huge money. We've took any one of the tech. Uh, we're all actively choosing to do this instead. Because it's like we agree with all these laps fans. I was kind of a laps fan myself. I didn't even like wrestling anymore when I was doing it. So it's like we're stepping out on our own to give you what you want, which is like, and hopefully we know. You know? So it's uh it, yeah, you know, it's, it's like the wrestlers taking control. But luckily, it's it's a bunch of goddamn good wrestlers. I'm sorry, if this morning's a good you wrestlers.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's it's. I think it's the right guys in control. You know. Definitely. And ultimately, the fans will let us know if we're doing our jobs right.
2: You, you are. Now, yeah. before you made your debut, you had that uh, video package done by like, Nick Mondo. Are you going to be doing any more stuff with Nick Mondo for AEW?
1: He uh. I don't know if I'm like exploring anything, but he like, works here now, which uh, that, I, I had nothing to do with that. They that kind of helped him, uh, his name got out there, he started doing, I think he filmed a little skateboard stuff with Darby mm-hmm. Allen, and then uh, they called him in there, because they need, you know, we're, we built a team from the ground up, from production to the wrestlers, to the ring crew, to the, makeup girls to catering to everything so they had to you know pick and choose like the best people available and uh, he was a you know, great uh, great at his, great at his job so uh, he's he's doing stuff with AEW currently we're also making a movie right now that's the greatest action film of all time you guys just don't know yet I'm from the comic book website so
9: I'm obligated to ask um, AEW and DC have now partnered up, and over the weekend they shared some art by Ramon Villalobos, an amazing artist of you. How does it feel now to be, I guess, part of the DC canon, and as someone who's been featured in comic books before, Um, what's that like? like, I feel like for me that would be kind of a weird experience, like, I'm in this book, and that's weird. So for you...
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, uh, I wish I looked that good in real life. (laughs) (laughs) But... uh... Yeah, that was cool, especially because like, oh, it was like a DC guy, so I'm like, oh cool, I'm like, I've am like, i been immortalized amongst Batman and uh, so forth, you know. Uh, but that's like one of those things that's just, stuff like that becomes, it's surreal, and you just get used to seeing surreal stuff, where you're like, you know, like the first time you're on Monday Night Raw is surreal. First time you see yourself as an action figure. It's, at least for me, it's like, that's so weird. It's almost like you can't eat, you can't go, that's so cool, like the, First time you do, but after a while you just go. That's so weird. I can't. This is weird. Like I was, I've been drawn by the Simpsons writer, so I was a Simpsons character. Not in the show. I just these days gave me a copy and a DC guy. So that's pretty cool. You know? um, I'm just wondering. I mean, Dynamite's finally out in the world, and how does it feel to have finally kicked off what's going to be a really big part of AEW's future? Well, it was. It was a great feeling, man. It was like a. Uh, it really became this like team atmosphere. It was like we were in the middle of a, uh, it was almost like being, a, like being a gorilla was almost like being in sidelines at a football game or something like uh, running players in and out, people coming in and out. Of it. And uh, like, you know, watching the, the end of the show play out and watching the clock tick down from like 9.58, 9.59, and it like hit 10. And it was like, we were all like, we did it. We got two hours in the can. We. we we got one, nothing bad happened. Cause I, mean, I was thinking all these nightmare scenarios in my head, you know, of, uh, cause it's live TV man. Anything can happen. And uh, you got a bunch of people with no experience in live TV. So for it to go off as flawless, flawlessly as it did the very first one, it was like a celebration backstage. You know, it was, the energy was high man. And that is a dick, that's addictive. Now I'm like, I can't wait to get the next Wednesday. Like, and I can't wait to just keep this momentum going. <laughs>
10: And I'm also going to steal him in just yeah, a no. second. Right. Perfect. That ended up
3: working for the bow okay. Who's done? I think it will speak <laughs> on behalf of the table. Congratulations
6: <laughs> on the show. I mean, I haven't been this excited in pretty much 15 years since Nitro went off in the air. Um, I know that the ratings came in. AEW seems to have taken the lead, which is pretty awesome. I guess being one of the locker room leaders, how are you guys looking at having that strong start and seeing where well, that momentum is going to It take?
4: was a great start for me, and um, listen, we're not at war with anybody. Uh, I don't care what you put on against us. If you could put on the Super Bowl. You could, you know, resurrect John and George and put a Beatles reunion on. We can't control that. All we can control is our own show and worry about our own product. We didn't start a war. We didn't counter program. We just did our thing, and as a result, the whole industry uh, was completely shaken up just by us being in existence. So I think that's good. Uh, it's a good feeling to know that there was a lot of people who felt the same way we did, but more important than that, yeah, we won the, uh, the Wednesday Wars. Fuck that, we were second in the demo uh, for the whole night against every show except for the, the dastardly uh, Major League Baseball wildcard. <laughs> but other than that, we beat everybody. So, cares about NXT. Look at all... We're talking number two in, in, in the entire business. So, that shows value. And that's going to change a lot of opinions about people who might not have known who AEW was, from advertisers to fans to other people in the industry. And it also creates a FOMO effect. Did you see AEW? No, what is it? Dude, you gotta watch it. It's great. Really? Well, let's go check it out. You get there every Wednesday. That's how you build your brand. We started off on the right foot, and now we just have to, when I saw the ratings, I took a second of like, yes! And then, okay, how can we beat it next week? You we gotta really come, come come strong next week.
6: On on that note, you you guys did amazing. The the numbers were just incredible when I was looking at them. And why
0: do
11: you think people
4: responded so strongly? Mm, Because it's different. Uh, There's a buzz about it, it's not the same old, same old. I also think there's a segment of wrestling fan that just stopped watching. If you go back to, you know, 2012 million people were watching wrestling on a Monday night. Now there's two and a half million. Where do those other people go? Did they just disappear? Was there a rapture that the wrestling fans were taken away? No, they just went on to something else. I think once the concept of AEW came out, there might have been a lot of people, going, listen, I-, I loved wrestling, kind of got bored of it, but this sounds really cool. And there's some guys on there that we know. We haven't seen Chris Jericho in two years on TV. Uh, we, John Moxley, he left? Wow, this is crazy. He was Dean Ambrose three months ago. Uh, so we have some major star power, we know Cody, we know Dustin Rhodes, Jake Hagar, we haven't seen him in a while, now he's undefeated MMA fighter, that's different. I think that's one of the biggest things, is there was a lot of star power, but everyone was refreshed and evolved and new. To get top guys that are new that you haven't seen in every match here, there and everywhere, combine that with the Young Bucks and Kenny and guys who have who have been doing this for years that are amazing and chose not to go to to WWE, they're on national TV for the first time. People are going, who are those guys? That creates a buzz and also, too, we have the cool factor. And when you have the cool factor, people flock to it, whether it's music, wrestling, comedy, TV. When something becomes popular, people will check it out and start buzzing about it and that's what we have right now.
2: First, as a podcaster who partially borrowed a lot of the uh, talk is Jericho shtick, nice. my stuff. Right on. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, are we going to be seeing more podcasting-related stuff involving the AEW brand and yourself? I
4: you mean, other podcasts?
2: Yeah, like maybe like creation of other shows in like an AEW network.
4: Maybe. I mean, that's up to to, to other people. Um, I know that my show—we just had our six-hundredth episode—and um, I have no intentions of stopping, even though. Half of the wrestling-related guests are not allowed to do my show anymore, but that's fine. Um, I'm not a wrestling show. There's elements of it. But there's plenty of guys out there that, that want to do Talk is Jericho in AEW and in other companies. I think it's another reason why AEW is so exciting, is there's a lot of people that, like I said, that they, fans don't know their stories. Well, they're welcome to tell them on Talk is Jericho. So um, whether there'll be an AEW network of podcasts, I mean, probably at some point, Because everything else with AEW on it is is kind of striking gold right now, and people are interested in it, so why not? I'd
2: love
4: to see that. All
9: right. Uh, So you've been featured, you're the only wrestler to be featured in four different comics for four different, or comics-related art. Um, Really? Four different promotions, yeah, WWE, CMLL, um, the DCAW Art Now. um, WCW, is there a comic? Yes, and the WCW, yeah. Wow,
4: um, that's a good uh, That's a good <laughs> detail, thank you. That's really cool. Many thanks to
9: my editor, Chris Aaron, for letting me do
4: this. Um, <laughs> Someone told me today, just as a quick thing before ask you ask your question, that I was in the main event of the very first NXT show and the main event of the very first AEW show. Because remember, NXT used to be a, like a, a, like yeah, it was yeah. me versus Daniel Bryan. So, uh, there's I'm another sure. one, there you go. Excellent. Um, Chris
9: probably doesn't know that, so I'm excited. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I wanted to ask you if you see maybe any AEW comics in the future. Absolutely. If you like, what makes comics such a great storytelling medium for wrestling? Well, I think
4: the I thing is here, here's the thing that AEW really focuses in on as well. It's very I, I'm not into it, but there are so many guys that are into comic books and video games. I was a huge comic book guy back yeah. in the day. DC was my shit. I always loved Aquaman. That's when finally when Aquaman became a thing again. I was like, I told you. (laughs) What's his power? All right, Mr. Batman, drop you in the middle of the ocean, see what you got in your utility belt. When you start getting tired and start to drown, you're going to wish you're Aquaman. Call a whale, take you back to shore. That's a superpower. Um, I I think that uh, uh, we have a real good uh, 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 finger on the pulse of the comic book culture, uh, the video game culture. Uh, it's something that, like I said, for me, I don't, I'm not gonna say I don't get it, it's not It's not for me, but it, the whole Bucks and Kenny and Cody and the Elite, that's their thing, and there's a whole myriad, there's a great word for Canadian, A uh, myriad of fans who are into that too. We are embracing that. So I, I think that it's only a matter of time before you see a video game. We've already done scans for, I'm assuming, games, dolls, et cetera. and the comic book. I mean, when I saw that DC art, um, I was amazed. It's, the, it's maybe the best one that I've seen. I said, like, I want to get that as a print. It's really good. I can't remember what the artist's name was. I tagged him on it. Anyways, whoever he was, look it up and say, I said he did a good job. <laughs> uh,
5: shifting gears to, uh, you know, you've got your podcast, you've got Fozzie, and you've got AEW. When you interact with fans on the social media, do you, is it easy for you to compartmentalize how you interact with them as... Because yep. you're not going to say, hey I, hey, I loved your show, uh, your Fozzie show. You're not going to react to them as uh, Le Champion.
4: Well, I mean, once again, I, I don't use social media as a gimmick unless somebody's being an asshole. In which case, I'll insult them and put them in their place. And then they'll eventually either remove the tweet or shut down their account because they'll have three million you know, friends of Jericho going after you. Um... I think now people understand it. it's just it's, it's the brand, the brand of Jericho, shall we say? Um, I think people live vicariously through the stuff that I do because they know that I never do what's expected. I just do what I think is cool. And if I think it's cool, people will will enjoy it. It's like my podcast. I have guests on all the time that. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of them, but I think they're great. And it usually does a great number because people go, all right, well, let's check out the amazing Kreskin. Who's this amazing Kreskin guy? Did 100,000 downloads. I mean, it was a great show. 85 um, year old mind reader. But um, I think that that's kind of what I've focused my career on as well. Uh, people want to enjoy AEW? Thank you. you want enjoy my books? Thank you. Talk is Jericho, The Rock of Jericho, Octane, Fozzie, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, whatever it is that I'm doing, if you you enjoy it, thank you. And if you don't like the other stuff that I do, that's cool too. I just appreciate you you, uh, coming aboard in any capacity. And I think people understand there's a difference between all all. of them.
0: You've held belts in every place you have ever been. What haven't you done that you want to do because you've done pretty much every damn thing that a man can do in this business. Yeah. I mean, you're running this place technically because you're the champion, as he said.
4: You're the champion. And that
0: champion, <laughs> sorry, I'm not bilingual. Uh, but <laughs> you are the you are, for lack of a better term, the man right, right now in this company. So you've done everything. What does Jericho want to do
4: that he well, hasn't? I mean, done? I think when you go back to you know, December of last year, when mm-hmm. I had no contract with anybody. What else is there for Jericho to do? That hmm. would be really nothing. No. Uh, then I went to Japan, uh, had, a, uh, had, had a great run there. It was an amazing. Huh? It made a lot of money for New Japan, so that mission is accomplished. I think starting a company from scratch and being a part of it from the ground up, that was maybe the last thing I could do in the, in the business and also change the industry for the better. Uh, two things changed uh, the industry one was the con family wanting to do a company and two was jericho signing because as soon as i signed everybody in the business got a big raise the guys finally started getting paid what they what they deserve maybe even even less they deserve but a whole shitload more than they were making Absolutely. everybody and i think that goes back completely to when it was chris jericho on the aw contract everything changed so I am now leaving the business better off than it was when I started. And I think that's the goal for anybody when you start a job. When I leave, I want this place to be better than it was when I got here. Uh, and I, I've done that. Yeah. So now it's, it's, it's we need to continue to make this company the cool place to be and continue to grow it. Listen, I love the concept of a Wednesday night war. We're not at war for any, with anybody, but when we beat Raw the first time, that's when the war starts. Yeah. Um, we're not in competition with the minor league. So when you see all those things and say like there's a market out here for people who wanted something different, and now they have it, so let's continue to build it, see how far we can take it. That's, that's the last thing for me to do in the business. And as long as I'm having fun, there's no reason to stop. And as long as I can continue to perform at the level that I feel is worthy of the people I'm in the ring with and the people watching me, I'll continue. So thank you. All right. Thank you. That you want that. Thank you.
2: W's done a lot of stuff in less than a year. How soon do
4: you think you guys are gonna go international in terms of touring? Well, I mean, TV-wise, you know, it's, it's, you know if people just think you can snap your finger and get a TV deal, it doesn't work that way. So when the ITV deal was announced, some people were angry, and it's like, then it changed, and there's still some people that don't like it. I, I don't give a shit. If you wanna watch it, you'll find it. When I was a kid, I used to watch wrestling at three in the morning if I was a wrestling fan. I didn't care. Uh, Canada, I think it got on the air the day before Uh, Wednesday, Tuesday, the day before Wednesday, which is also known as Tuesday. (laughs) Um, All of those things added up to there's a great international presence. So when we go over to do shows, you know, and London is one of the con's backyards because of the Fulham football club that they own. We're going to sell those shows in an hour or two. Um, I don't know when we're doing touring, Uh, maybe it's for television tapings but the market is there, and that's good to know, because this is a worldwide thing with legit worldwide stars.
6: Being a long-term Nitro fan, I just want to ask you, how surreal was it to have Tony Schiavone
4: call? Yeah, I was gonna say, say it's, weird, it's weird for me, like, it might be more surreal for Cody, maybe, uh, but for me, I don't think like that. Like someone said, oh my God, Jericho's going home. I'm like, going home to where, Washington? You no, TNT. It's, when was TNT ever my home? I didn't even remember that WCW was on TNT. To me, it's, uh, like I said, and having Tony involved is amazing because he's got such a great voice. And like you said, is it surreal? I can't believe it. No, but you remember like, fuck, we missed this guy in the wrestling organization because he brings with him a sense of legitimacy. He's like, J, uh, like JR. But Jim's been calling wrestling for the last while. Not regularly, but he has been. We haven't heard Tony call wrestling, like you said, in 20 years or whatever it's been. So that was a really cool moment. Not from a nostalgia standpoint, but from, this guy's fucking great. He needs to be doing this all the time. So that was really cool. Uh, just oh,
5: there it is.
0: I'll <laughs> uh, 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 uh,
5: Cody, right before the launch, said that he wanted you know fan feedback. Tell us what you did right, tell us what you did wrong. Uh, how much do you agree with that? And like, what would be the, uh, uh, what's my, the difference
4: between my, that and fan service? See, I don't have to cater to the fans because I'm not one of the owners or EVPs. I don't give a shit what the fans think. Obviously, I want them to like it. But as you know, uh, as a journalist or a podcast, you never let the fans control the show. I control the show. Now, listen. I'm not going to be as arrogant to go, I'm going to tell you what you like, because now I'm going to listen, and I'm going to try and give you what I can. But the only person that can tell me if I had a good or bad performance is me. And I judge that on the reaction of the crowd. If it's not working, I change it. That's why I change my, 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 my image and my gimmick, for lack of a better term. If it's getting stale, change it. I don't need a fan to tell me that. So I think it's good to have a relationship with the fans. Uh, it's good to be fan-friendly. But when it comes to being a pro, you know what you need to do this is what you should do, that's what you should do. I think a little bit of the business that that suffered is because of this five star match ratings and uh, people, you know, I didn't like this match because of that and wrestlers going like, oh my god, my match only got four stars and and, and somebody didn't like it and I appreciate that too, but a critic is just a critic. You know, if we put out a record and, and Billboard magazine doesn't like it, do I, you know, rip up the record and do a new record? No, like, this is the best we could do. We like it. We think other people like, sorry that you didn't. We'll try better next time. That's the attitude I have with fans and critics alike, but I pretty much have a good finger on what people want to see because uh, I can feel it after doing this for 29 years, and I can almost see a few moves forward. So if people don't like something right away, you can't need your you got you to gotta remember it's, it's it's, a full-on story that we're telling. If I go to a movie and walk out of it for 20 minutes because this movie sucks and it's not making any sense, hold on, if I go see Pulp Fiction for the first time and walk out of it for 20 minutes, you're going to miss the whole story. And that's what you have to stick with when, whenever you see something that is doing. If you didn't like it this week, hold on. When it ends, if you don't like it, that's cool. I'm sorry you didn't like it, but let me at least tell the story that I want to tell it because I think you're probably going to dig it if you stick I with either. it this well. Oh, thank you,
0: guys.
4: Awesome you. stuff. I'll
9: see.
0: All right. I ate a random cookie. Uh, who wants to start? <laughs>
6: I'll start this. Sure, yeah. Look at you.
9: Yeah. So, the DC Comics star that came out over the weekend, it was amazing. Awesome comic. What was it like to see yourself, like, you've been, you're, the Glow comic, technically, but now you've been immortalized in this DC art, and Brandy, is there the opportunity for any more collaborations
11: with DC in the future? Uh, uh, um, I was, like, a little kid running around the house, like, look at it, look at it, like, we, we printed it out, my husband and I, we, like, printed it out, and we made them, like, fight each other, and it was, like, it was, we were so silly that day. it was <laughs> like, but what do you do when well, you become like a DC character why not? I have like cause I, I don't know if you know this but like I have the Welfare Queen doll and I have an awesome Kong doll and so like we literally printed out the DC thing and we were like having like this fucking like fight with the doll. Oh, it was it was fun okay, wait, 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 we gotta get talking about <laughs> that's that what that's
10: what <laughs> Um, things like that, I think, are little, like, inklings into the idea that there's more that we can do. Um, so there was a great response from it. People were super, like, hyped about the, the DC crossover. And so every time something like that happens and there's a really great response, there's always a chance to do a lot more. So we absolutely, yeah. absolutely want to do more. And, um, we're hoping that DC was
5: too. Um, uh, Cody... Right before the show launched, had the big long uh, note on social media, and one of the paragraphs said how he wanted, you know, to work well, with the fans, fan feedback, uh, what you guys did wrong, what you did well, so on and so forth. How important uh, is that to you, uh, and how do you avoid the fear of that, you know, constructive feedback versus just fan, you know, fan service?
10: Yeah, well, um, so one of the great things about having partners like Warner Media is that we have people who can kind of take a look at what people are saying and then put it out there for us as to what's real and what's not. Because sometimes you get like three or four people who are just putting out 300 messages. That makes it seem like Everybody thinks this, but then when you look at it, it's like, "Ah, actually it's the same three or four people. So it's great having them be able to sort for us what actually is a really loud, like, response to something. What is it that people actually think? And in those cases, we absolutely take it seriously. If negative, positive, whatever, if it's something that seems like it needs to make a shift, we're absolutely going to do it. Um, There's not going to be a, a situation in which, well, they're just going to have to put up with it if they don't like it. People really don't like something. Why would you keep forcing me? No, no,
0: Yeah. No. <laughs> um. You both have had different paths in this industry, all right? Now, for Brandy, when you went from a ring announcer to working behind the scenes, doing everything, and now building a company, along with your husband and everybody else that has worked on it, what was the feeling like for you Because, I mean, we talked about All Out, we talked about All In, we talked about all that stuff, but the TNT episode airs Wednesday. It airs, the the lights are going off, the pyro's going off. What did you feel like? You personally, like, what did you feel like? Honestly,
10: so I, I'm not a nervous person. Um, I've missed that somewhere. It doesn't doesn't happen <laughs> happen for me, which is kind of good most of the time. But for the first time ever, I felt like I was going to throw up on this day. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't really figure it out uh, because we've done this. We've done this, like you said, you know, we've done the pay per views We've done this leading up to this. Me and my husband have been loaded there, ready to, you know, come up before. It's like, man, why am I feeling so sick? And I think it's just because everything hit me that what we've done yeah. is really, really huge. Not only were we live on TNT, we were live in Canada on TSN, which is one of their premier networks. We um, were live on Fight. Uh, we were going to be on ITV the next day. Like, it's it just, we went global. Like, very quickly. And I think that that just hit me and, and it was just a uh, really kind of surreal experience. But the best part about it was being, I'm with Cody in those moments most of the time. We're literally this close to each other. And I was able to just kind of grab and squeeze his hand and say like this is happening this is never gonna happen again so let's just let's just have this moment and um you know we, we emerge from the tunnel and we're both looking around we're looking all the way out to see the furthest seat in the arena to see like the face of the person up there we're seeing all these people moving which means they're having a great time and it was just it was like uh walking into something where you didn't think you knew anybody and then you see all your friends and your family and it was just such a great
8: okay.
11: I'm never gonna tell you when to speak, (laughs) uh, but if you want. I I just felt. I mean, one, I was just proud of the whole production team, you know, crew and cast. But I just also felt very happy. For the fans, because they just seemed so happy and excited, you know what I mean? Me like, true. like a new excitement, and I was like, wow, I'm happy, I do think like, I'm happy for you guys. Me too, I'm well, happy for you guys too. happy too, thank you both,
0: thank everybody, man.
6: <laughs> yeah, I mean, a thousand percent, to kind of jump off of that, uh, I think the um, main consensus is that nobody's felt this excitement as far as professional wrestling goes, for years and years. I can't wait till next week. Um... Just two different questions, really. I know it's important to have representation in professional wrestling. I think you've done an incredible job, Randy. Uh, I think there's something for everybody, which you don't always see in a lot of places. Um, What do you look for when you scout for new talent? And for you, Austin Kong, I think you're a scene stealer when it comes to GLOW. We saw Jay and Silent Bob make cameos, potential cameos, as far as the GLOW cast goes with AEW.
11: You never know. You, you never know. I mean, seriously, you never know. Sure. <laughs> I don't think anybody knows. But, I mean, <laughs> it, if it were, it would be a surprise. And as far as surprises go, I couldn't tell you because then it wouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> and we like to keep you guys uh, on the edge of your seat. So. I'm there. Totally. <laughs> like. um,
10: as far as the uh, representation of that, those women, when I'm looking at uh, female wrestlers in particular, Um, I don't have any blinders on. So what I'm looking for is something wrestle-wise that really gets me. Maybe it's that people, in the case of Sadie Gibbs, it was that fans were going, have you seen Sadie Gibbs? And I'm going, who the hell is Sadie Gibbs? And uh, looked into her work, and then I'm like, wow, this is why these people are getting behind this girl. She's very talented. Never mind that she's in England. Never mind that, you know, she hasn't been on TV before. This is something that people want to see. Um, And it's the same with with everyone, Um, you know, Riho, she doesn't speak English. Is that that something that's going to keep us from having her as part of the roster? No, she's incredible, and she's got incredible heart, and she's very, very (laughs) talented in that ring and in many different ways. So I think the, the answer is not to be looking for anything, just to be having an open mind to, all right, what makes me excited? What do I see that fans are getting excited about that I feel some excitement for? When I show it to the rest of the guys, they say, Whoa, cool. That's it.
11: Yeah, I think mean, they take the pulse yeah. of the people. They take the pulse of the people. I love that.
6: I want to drop a bit off that question, actually, too, where because all I had Aubrey Edwards as the first female ref to call a main event championship match, and the first episode of Dynamite established her as kind of one of the key refs, obviously. And women are just so much at the forefront of AEW, and that was a thing that struck me immediately. And I'm just wondering, can you tell me why that's important to AEW,
10: Well, in in the case of Aubrey, it's easy. Aubrey is that damn good. She's good. She's very good. Like, everybody wants Aubrey all the time. Like, if I have a choice, if I'm having a match, I want Aubrey, (laughs) I just do. I feel great with her because she helps with everything in that match. She helps with the story. She's so into the match. She's essential. Um, So in that same light, like when women are very good, you gotta give it to them, you gotta give them that spotlight, you gotta give them those spots, like the women's match, in my opinion, was one of the best matches of the night the other night. Um, They were given the same that the men were gonna be given. Uh, They they had in-ring, classic ring announcement because typically with women, that's not there, uh, for time reasons, make time for it because this is that important of a match. it's just uh, as long as the women continue to, de- to deliver in these ways and uh, prove that they deserve the spots that they're being be given, they're going to keep getting spots.
11: It's funny. Um, I was in the locker room uh, the other night and I was like, "Wow!" Thinking about Aubrey, I'm like, if, "If we keep going the way we're going with just women in roles that they tr- traditionally haven't been in before in five, six, seven years." A generation growing up won't see the difference of why is that unusual, you know what I mean? It would just be a person <laughs> occupying that role, and people can occupy any role they want. So I think that's, you know, a reason why it would be important, because in a few years, a generation is coming, and we want them to know a person can occupy any role, whatever role that they want. Very true degree.
9: And kind of jumping off that a little bit, one of the other things that I was really excited to see and really impressed with is um, in addition to your commitment to having a really, like, diverse, and strong roster, you're also, to, like, committed to having a really inclusive atmosphere, and accessible atmosphere for fans, like, with the partnership with Culture City, um, are there other partnerships you'd like to explore, or, like, other things you'd like to have a, like, you'd like to be able to, like, execute an AEW in the future in regards to that?
10: Yeah, um, I mean, I'm so happy that this week went so well, because I've had kind of a, a database of different things that I've interested in exploring, but unfortunately, without the the notability, it's hard to to reach out. Um, So immediately, on Thursday, I started reaching out to a lot of these places, and the response has been great. So I think that you're gonna continue to see a lot of partnerships coming together that have kind of that as their focus. Um, Inclusivity, diversity, being open to everyone, being welcoming. Um, I think I'm hopeful. I've got a long week of a lot of calls and a lot of meetings, but um, I'm hopeful that we're gonna to continue to come to different relationships like that one. Because the culture city was such
9: prices. It's it's amazing what they're able to do, what they right. help us do. And there aren't any other companies at this level doing that. Like you said, like AEW is setting a bar that now other companies are able to meet and you think about wrestling, like you go in and for me as a queer fan, like the goal is like Nobody says anything homophobic that's great and now the goal is well like people are saying flat out like if you say things that are harmful to people like you're not welcome um and so yeah it's exciting to see a w like continuing to raise that bar farther and farther because now it just sets a new standard for what everybody has to do in the future
10: yeah i had um, a conversation with uh our in-house security atlas security just wednesday and just kind of said hey just want to set this precedent that uh We've been working together for a while. I trust you guys implicitly. If you hear anything, you don't have to ask me. You don't have to ask anybody else. The person's gone. You heard it, or if someone tells you they heard it, and if someone's uncomfortable, you have the ability to make the calls. You don't have to radio back and say, "Hey, there's a guy who's been drinking. Get him out of here." Yeah. <laughs>
6: So I know a lot of um, dates have already been announced as far as Dynamite goes. I'm a little biased, I'm a born and raised New Yorker. I can't wait to see you guys enter the New York market. Is that on the horizon in 2020, especially if Madison Square Garden is too far off?
0: Ooh.
10: well, I, I, can't, I can't speak about specific buildings, but obviously New York's very important to us. Um, and Of course, of course it's gonna be a part of the future, for sure. Um, we've got an excellent market rep, Raphael Morty. He's been doing uh, wrestling uh, bookings for buildings forever, and he's really skilled, and he has a great process and kind of a way that he likes to do things. So we're um, going off of his, his lead on that and trust him completely, but he's a New Yorker himself, so it's going to happen. Absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah. wait. Thank you, guys. Awesome. To the awesome. Thank
11: you.
2: All right, Mike, before we go, first off, big thank you for being here today.
3: Hey, man, thanks for having me. It's uh, This has been like uh, three years in the making. Yeah, 17 and a half, give or take. <laughs> but
2: before we go also, Mike, why should people read Headlock that are
3: fans of Marvel? I'm a Marvel fan, and I love it, so. I mean, well, that's the endorsement right there. No, I mean, it's uh, it's... You know, I talk about a lot about like the Marvel heroes and the relatability and stuff, and I think Mike Hartman's a very relatable character. Is you know, he's a kid who's who's chasing his dream, and I think that everybody who chases some kind of a dream goes through the same sort of emotional roller coaster. You know, I mean, obviously the circumstances are different. If you've got a guitar in Nashville, or you're you know getting beaten up by New Jack, but you know, hopefully you'll be alive. Right, right. It's uh, so you know we. we, I do think that Mike's journey is very relatable. He's sort of coming of age in the wild west, and uh, you know, trying to learn how to become a man from all these like lunatics that are in the wrestling business. And uh, I think that there's a lot of good, uh, good character work. You know, a lot of a lot of comics, you know, you don't get the character work. I mean, the character's is essentially the same character for seventy years. You know, and uh, to me, we we have a ton of character development from a variety of characters and. Uh, we have some really a lot of fun and it's good for processed junkies like if you like to if you want to see some of the some of how the sausage is made in wrestling and uh you know our artist is an actual wrestler uh michael is a Samoan wrestler from new zealand so i mean it's as authentic as it gets um and uh it's it's a it's an entertaining read on top of that so i think uh you know you should check it out So, Mike, how can
2: people get a hold of you on them, thar, social medias?
3: Uh, Everything's Headlock Comic. Uh, It's uh, one word. It's uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, YouTube, the whole nine yards. Uh, If there's a social media platform, there's probably a Headlock Comic account, and it's run by me. Very cool. So, for The Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Mike Kingston. Excelsior,
2: true believers, and so forth. Enough said. Other Stanley catchphrases.